Hey everyone, I know you've heard me speak about microdosing and how much I love it. And I'm talking about microdosing THC. I love it. And that's why I love our sponsor, microdose.com. Microdose gummies are incredible. They deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And when I mean just the right amount of good, I mean in so many situations, anxiety, sleep, focus, pain, relaxation. There are so many different strains and they're really helpful. And I have recommended microdose.com to so many people. And you know what they say to me? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't be afraid of microdosing. Go to microdose.com and you'll learn all about microdosing THC. These gummies feel amazing. They taste amazing. I have used them to get me into the zone I need to write. I've used them at night after a stressful day or a stressful show to relax. I have also said to family members, please take a gummy right now. And they've said, oh, good idea. So check it out. Check it out because they're fantastic. And I'm not like a big weed person. I mean, I used to be. And I do enjoy, I do enjoy weed every now and then, but I love, I love these gummies and I take them with me everywhere. So check it out. Don't be afraid. They're all natural. They're fantastic. And you deserve it. So what are you going to do? You're going to do something that is fantastic. You're going to get 30% off your first order. 30% off. That's a lot. Plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Use promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. It's available nationwide. They deliver it to your door. That is microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold for 30% off and free shipping. Do it. Go to microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold. You deserve it. You deserve it. And you know what else? You're welcome. Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. Let's bring her out. The star attraction, the one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Ms. Judy Gold. everyone. Um, I'm really excited today. I don't know why I'm in a really weird mood. Well, actually, you know, I think it might be. I've been doing the Fitbit sleep score and I got an 84. So that might be why, because I've been getting really shitty sleep scores and I can hear myself talking and the nasality of my nose today. It's bad. And that's, uh, that's why we have Erica Rhodes here today to talk about. No, I'm kidding. I'm so excited. Erica Rhodes is here. Erica has, I'm sure if you're a comedy fan, you know Erica because she has specials on networks. Um, the re- most recent one is on Amazon Prime. It's called La Vie en Rhodes. La Vie en Rhodes. <laughs> and as you know, I'm French. So, but uh, Erica, welcome to the podcast. You know, I am very thrilled to have you here. I don't I don't have a lot of, and I consider you a younger person. 
I find some people do not have a story. I mean, they do have a story. Everyone has a story, but I'm just saying, I do I do a lot of research and I, your life is fascinating. Fascinating. So I'm thrilled to have you here. I don't know if you've ever heard the podcast or know anything about it, but I do a lot of research. Sounds like it. Oh, yeah. Your homework. Some people don't do their homework. They just get up. Oh, please. You know what? You know why I do this? First of all, this is a labor of love because I make zero dollars. No, I um, this is a labor of love. And I have been doing this for so long, you know, in the business. The feeling when you're being interviewed. And they haven't done their homework. It's so it's humiliating, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, don't ask me how I started doing stand-up. Don't just ask me that. Who I think is funny. What the, it's just lazy. These are the other questions. When they when when they ask you, like, what can people expect from your show? I don't know. I'm gonna take a shit on the fucking stage. And they're going to clean it up. Like, it's so annoying. Don't you get that in in your interview? Yeah, those are are the three questions you get the most. How do you start? Who do you think is funny? And what what are your jokes? Right. What can you expect? Because what can people expect? Because I don't want to do my job. So... It's and it's really bad when you do radio, when you go to a radio station and they're like... who you are. Yeah. And they, and they have, like, they have a sheet and, um, it's like, you know, they didn't look at the fucking sheet or do any of their pre, you know, their preparation for whatever. Anyway, Erica Rhodes, um, is a fascinating human being. She is the sister of Hillary and the daughter (laughs) of Dean and Christina, um, and her grandfather was a Jew. Good night, everybody. Take care. Dean Rosen, what was his name? Rosenbaum. Rosenbaum. I do my research. I do what research really, really a lot. That's Um, impressive. Yeah, my dad's dad. Dad, yeah, was was a Rosenbloom. Rosenbloom, yes. So my last name would have been Rosenbloom. But the grandfather said, "Listen, you know they don't love the Jews. Uh, Let me change it to Rhodes. No one will know, and I'll marry a goy, and that's it." So he was a a pot and pan sales guy. He yeah. Was to sell pot, pot, pots and pans, and he t- he was like, you know, I'm not doing a very good job selling it. So then he changed his name to Rhodes, and, and he dad, still sucked. Yeah, my dad was like, I think he was just a bad sales guy. That's so funny. I heard you. Br- I read that in an article. We were like, I think he was just a bad salesman. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. It had nothing to do with his last name. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of really cool people that come out of Newton, Massachusetts. That it's that town. I mean, I know people in my personal life from there, but it's like it really is it the school system? I mean, look at the people. Outlier, you know. Did you ever read that book, Outliers, by Mm -hmm. Gladwell? It's like one of those weird pockets where. It's just a lot of funny people live there. I know. It's incredible. You are the daughter. You know, first of all, I have to say, I find your mother fascinating. Your mother, well, and your father. So your father was a clarinetist and he, um, God rest his soul, uh, and he had MS and he had to give up the clarinet, which was also my instrument uh, in college. But I'm sure I wasn't nearly. Um, but he had to give it up and became a CPA because of the MS. 
and your mother and her two sisters are all professional violinists. Like that's fucking amazing. I'm just fascinated by how much research you did. (laughs) That's really fascinating. Yeah. You know why? Because I, I believe everyone has a story and I want to hear it. Like I want to interview some, I want to know all about them. You know, it's, I don't know. It's just my curiosity, but um, can I just read something while you're here? This is like, I can't even. All right. Ready? Yeah. Like the, all right, let me just say something. Your mother has a BA summa cum laude from Connecticut college. Uh, a master's in music from New England Conservatory and a JD cum laude from New England School of Law. What the fuck? What is your mother? And she got into Harvard Law School and turned them down. Why? I love her. She wanted to do violin instead. Okay. I just want to say, like, this is genes. These are, these are, and, and the, and I have, and I, you know, I'm a music person and I know you're a music person too, but it's the, the, the intersection of music and stand up is so incredible. And I, I, I was listening to when you were talking about your new special where they were in the cars <laughs> and I try to explain, I try to explain this in a lot of interviews I have that it, it is a rhythm. Every audience has a different rhythm and it, and they sort of decide when you're going to start your next joke, if you're going to do a tagline, you know, and in that situation, it's so, I did a drive-in too. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. And I hadn't done any like leading up to it. I know a lot of people did them after that, but we were sort of the first people to do them. And then I I didn't pre- get any practice or anything. Uh no. you it was great. So don't fucking worry about it. Um okay, so your mom um grew up in Minnesota. Yes. Um, and I, yes, so their grandfather uh used to play piano for silent films, you know, wow, when they used to have yes. pianist and he and so I think he taught them uh, violin, all of them, all the all kids. three of them, and they so all and, they, and he she has this uh, brother too, so he also plays violin. I love that family. I love that. So you grew up in sort of utopia ish, don't you think? Newton, yeah. Did, in uh, some ways, I mean, I would say it's a pretty competitive place to grow up as a right. kid. You know, so if you're not really striving for excellence in academia, then you're kind of in trouble. Your mother was a, or still is a grammar mental patient, as am I. I can't. I was going to say, is that how you pronounce academia? Yes. sounded weird. No, that was right. You were right. But (laughs) I mean, I hate it too. And you said you're, you've gotten to that point now where you can't. My ear is like, ow, ouch, you know? It's so weird. And I'm like, really? Uh, you know, I did good. Uh, I feel good. I don't know. I just, I, sometimes I'm just like, oh, I can't, I, you know, I don't know what like, you want to, do you want to do my sister and I's podcast? Uh, oh God, eyes? I can't. Why are oh, we, God. why are we making I a possessive? <laughs> eyes, eyes? There, my is a word for a reason. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's so annoying. Um, so 
you have the sister you're and I know that you're a trained ballerina and uh, you play cello. Yeah. I don't okay. do ballet anymore, but I, right. when I was a kid, I did. Yeah. So how old were you when your father had to give up his dream of the clarinet or were you not born yet? I think I was barely born. I think it might've been right before I was born that he figured it out that he had MS. So you're, do you ever remember him well, or were there years where Um, he was okay? Yeah. I mean, when I was very young, I remember him walking and then he was on crutches when I was maybe like nine or 10. And I remember because he used to like joke, jokingly like balance on my head. Right. That was the exact right, you know, height for him to balance on it. So he would use my head as a balancing, you know. And he was funny. You. you oh, he um, was very funny. Yeah. So very, you, very funny. So you basically get your smarts and timing from your mother and your humor from your father. Yeah. And my mom's like a funny character, but she's not funny on purpose. She's just sort of funny by accident. Right. So I'm curious to know, I mean, it's so hard to see your father, your, you know, your parent, not, you know, as able-bodied as your friend. I mean, how do you think that affected you? The having a um, I think it made me very sensitive because I used to be very worried about him from a very young age. So I remember when I was in kindergarten, we had to keep a journal and I used to start every journal with, I wish my dad didn't have MS. Oh, it was every day. <laughs> and, right. and then later I was like, no wonder I was the you know teacher's pet. She felt so bad for right. me. Did so. you, do, do you think your sister had the same sort of... I think my sister had a bit more of a, um, I think she had a different coping mechanism where I think she was able to shut things out more. Right. So, you know, I, I would go in with my parents and my sister would kind of shut down and go into her room and do her own thing. So I think a lot of her coping mechanisms went internal and mine went external. So you can, um, stand on your head longer than any other person. Now you're just showing off, okay? No, I, I, you just have these details. So you have a flat head. You have a flat head. You're right? the only one who's done that kind of research. <laughs> that, is, that is in one article. Ever. I know. I know. Yeah, that is impressive. Thank you. I, I took gymnastics when I was little, and I was not good at that. That right. was not. I hate. Can I just say something? When yeah. I was growing up, I mean, I'm gigantic, but. All that, I don't know if they did it in the Newton public schools, but because you're younger than I am, but it was like that presidential fitness test and you had to do all this shit that I couldn't fucking do. And I fucking hated gymnastics. I'm too big and I'm uncoordinated. I hated you it. You had to do that? Like that yeah, was like they, a- had, they had the presidential um, fitness test. They also p- measured and weighed you in front of the entire school in the fucking gym, which was also very, oh yeah, yeah, it was bad. So you took gymnastics and you- Yeah, fucking- and I was scared of everything. I was scared to like, you know, I wasn't good at cartwheels and flips and things like that. But then we had this competition where we had to stand on our head. And that day I was like a star because I just stood on my head so long and I want to pack a gum. Oh, that's great. I think I can retire now from gymnastics. You want a pack of gum? Yeah, I want a pack of gum. Oh, that is crazy. (laughs) Um, 
So as a kid, before you get this gig with Garrison Keeler, is everything just normal? Do you feel like you have like a, an exceptional family because your mother is like, what the fuck? And your, <laughs> and your father, like, do you, is it like reading about your parents is like, that's like a, if, where I grew up, it'd be like, wow, they're so like, she, he's a clarinetist and she, you know, like she's a violinist and, and, and lawyer and, you know, were you exceptional? Um, I think I did feel a little pressure to do something really well. Right. And uh, so I, you know, I, I was sort of a natural performer because my mom noticed that I would just um, perform wherever I was. Like I was very outgoing with strangers. Right. But then I was, I was very shy at the same time. So right. I had this weird sort of, you know, conflicting personality. And, but she got me an agent when I was like five. That is so weird. Yeah, um, I know. <laughs> and she was like, this kid is, you know, this kid's got something. Um, well, her friends kept telling her like, man, you got to get her into acting. She looks right. like, you know, Drew Barrymore because it was around that time, you know. Right, E.T. E. 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 And I was around that age. And so um, I think she, a lot of people told her that before she decided to do that. But right. And so were you the only kid in your school with an agent? Probably. I don't really remember doing that many auditions, but I do remember uh, modeling a waterbed. And I thought, man, if this is show business, count me in. Oh my God. It's hilarious. (laughs) It was amazing. You know, I just pretended to sleep for a couple hours. And they took photos and you got paid. Yeah. Hey everyone, did you know that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the United States with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the United States? And I'm one of them. You're listening to one of them. Fast Growing Trees has everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and your space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever, forever. I just want you to know that I just got off a plane and I walked in my apartment. What was the first thing I did is I came in and said hi to Avi, my fig tree. I'm telling you, and I have Yael, which is another plant, but Fast Growing Trees has changed my atmosphere here in my apartment. You don't need a lot of space, but they do have, you know, they have stuff for outdoor spaces. But I live in an apartment, and I'm telling you, Avi and Yael, yes, they're both Jewish names, Hebrew, the space looks so much better. And I just had a conversation with Avi. Like, I was like, I missed you. I love having living things here. It's very, very, I don't know, it's made this more of a home. It's the best. And Elisa has some too. And she loves them. And she talks to them too. But she got that from me. Anyway, check out Fast Growing Trees. 
you need to be around plant life. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code Judy Gold at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code Judy Gold. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You're welcome. You talk about your family. I lo- I read this thing <laughs> that your family was so crazy that when someone would ring the doorbell, you would all it, like a neighbor would come over and yell normal, normal, like, like, yeah, okay, everyone be normal now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were just eccentric. I don't remember exactly what we'd be doing, but we were all a little bit weird. So we just had a saying where we'd be like, normal, normal, like people are coming over. You know? Right. And it's so weird that you knew you were weird. You know what I mean? Like, and we're okay with it. And we're like, okay, we know how to be normal too. But in this safe, we have like the safe space where we can just be, you know. We didn't have like, yeah, because I don't, I wouldn't say we had a traditional family thing. Like we didn't have like family dinners. It was always sort of each man for himself. It was really. Yeah, it was like, eat when you want, eat what you want. There weren't a lot of rules. We didn't have a bedtime. We didn't really have to do anything, you know. Yeah, so it was like- That is mental. I I would <laughs> think, you know, I think of musicians, especially as so disciplined and, you know, because you have to practice and, pra- you know, and it's, but really you had no, din- you didn't have like, like I grew up where it was every night, 6 p.m. We all sat down for dinner and we're miserable for half an hour. And then we all went and did our own shit, but you like, there was no structure whatsoever. Not a lot of structure because my mom would work at night. So she'd, you know, right. She was in the symphony and then she would come home. And I remember it'd be this like excitement, like, Oh, mom's back. And then it would be like 10 PM and we'd all be snacking and hanging. Oh, I love that. That's I've said this before on the podcast that when my kids were little and my ex was like, you know, every time you come home and they wake up and and Joan Rivers, God rest her soul. I love you, Joan, uh, said, you know, it doesn't matter what time you spend time with them. It matters that you spend time with them. That's so, true. I remember know. waking up one day, um, like in the middle of the night and it was, there was a huge pink Panther in my bed. And she had gone ski balling with all of her musician friends and won two of those gigantic pink panthers and put them in my sister and. Oh, I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Did you have a hard time getting up for school in the morning or anything or? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I remember having weird things in the morning where I would wake up, shower, and then go back to sleep for an hour, which now is probably why I'm not a morning person. So. All right. You're 10 years old. Um, Your mom asks Garrison Keillor from Prairie Home Companion. Yeah. Prairie Home. Um, She asks him to do a benefit for their orchestra because they come from the same hometown in Minnesota. And he does this benefit. He says yes. Mm-hmm. And you're out to dinner or something. You're at a restaurant and, and he hears you speak which is one of your, you know, very original, incredible characteristics that will get you work, even though it's your voice. Um, (laughs) And 
and he says, will you do Prairie Home Companion? Is that, is, is that how it happened? Plus your mother said, oh my God, my sister is perfect for you. And he ends up marrying your aunt. Is, is yeah. this correct? Okay. That's thanks. all true. Yeah. It happened all over sort of a gradual time period, but the next day that after I met him, he asked me to do the show. So I was doing it at like age 10. Age 10, you're doing this huge fucking show and you're playing his conscience, right? Yeah. And I love the way you talk about how, cause this is so true, how you didn't care. Cause you didn't know. You know, yes, I'm still trying to get back to that point of like just that effortless being funny without trying to be funny, right? Erica, I'm going to tell you right now. Um, and because I really have this down that I really want to talk about every decade of life because I have always done bits about what happens in your 20s, what happens in your 30s, what happens, yeah. It it takes you're you're, it's going to come back, but it's going to come back in about 20 years, and you're going to be like, I don't fucking give a shit, but it doesn't matter. You know? I want it to come sooner than that, though. Maybe it will. I mean, you're <laughs> yeah. not me. I mean, I hit 50 and I was just like, Ugh, fuck you. You know, like you just yeah. don't care anymore. So you're forward to that. <laughs> uh, so you're 10. And do you have any idea that this is like like this cult no, I had no clue what it was. I was right. I was into ballet. That's all I cared about was ballet, right. everything. And, you know, I wasn't really, I wasn't scared of live audiences. So I don't remember feeling nervous or anything. I just remember they had to give me this box to stand on because the microphone was too high for me. Right. I never had to do that. Even at my bat mitzvah. Let me tell you something. Every kid at their bar and bat mitzvah had to stand on a thing on the bima. And this is the Jew bell, by the way. What is um, that? It's the Jew bell. Oh, oh, like you're being Jewish. No, like no, anything. Oh. <laughs> if we talk about anything remotely Jewish, they get a ring. Okay, so I'm standing on the bima, like your father. Right. Okay, yeah. so um, I'm standing on the bima, <laughs> and I'm taller than the rabbi. I was like, yeah. So you had to stand on the box. And just do this thing. And then what happened afterwards? Was your were your parents there? Like, was it like? Were no, my aunt, my aunt was there because yeah. he was, he was dating my aunt. So she right. was with me and, um, and then I met Alice and Janney too. Cause she oh, was and there. Meryl Streep. Wait, Alice and Janney, yeah, Meryl Streep on. and Martin Sheen. So yeah, what so happened? The first, yeah, the first show was Alice and Janney and, you know, kids don't know, well, she wasn't famous yet, but kids right. also don't know who anyone is, but I right. got a very good vibe from her as a kid. I, I thought she was really cool. Oh, she is the coolest. Yeah, I thought and she that- Best. When you met Meryl Streep, did you know, oh my God, this is Meryl Streep? Yeah, because I was in my 20s by then. Okay. Can we, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're not even there yet on my list of things we're oh, talking, yeah, about. Yeah, talking about. Okay. What the fuck? Like, what, I, I met her once when I did Shakespeare in the Park, and it's like, and she's tiny. She's fucking tiny. Yeah. Um, and just exactly what you would think, right? She was really nice. She was very nervous because she wasn't really used to live radio. Right. You know, and you don't get to do a second take or anything. Right. And Garrison edits on the fly. So he edits like an hour before the show and then he edits during the show. Right. So she was freaking out because he had made all these cuts and edits. And she's like, I don't know what to do. He's editing everything. Isn't <laughs> it funny? Isn't it funny how, you know, because we're comics. We yeah. do that in our head the entire time we're on stage. You know, you're standing there. You're like, 
oh, they didn't get that. So they're not going to get this. Sometimes I'm like, sometimes I'm like, you don't deserve this next joke. So I'm not even fucking telling, you know, like, I don't want to tell you this joke. I, I can't, I don't know what it is, but it's funny that these, these like mega stars, that is the scariest thing for them. Not having a script. Yeah. She really wanted to, you know, be very prepared. Right. She, yeah. But she, and she was just a little nervous, but really sweet. She was. Very, oh my God. And what about Martin Sheen? Really nice. Yeah. I did it. I did it twice with Martin Sheen. So I, you know, talked to him a little more than Meryl Streep. I can't believe your fucking life. All right. So anyway, you're doing uh whatchamacall. Oh, and Garrison came to see you in the Nutcracker. I read. Yeah. That was when he met me. Right. Mm. Yeah, for the first As time. a ballerina. Now you also, I read. Went to music camp in Maine. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Right. With a rabbi. Thank you. Um, <laughs> what was the name? I went to music camp too. What was the name of your music camp? It was called New England Music Camp. Oh, and did you enjoy it? I loved it. And I you wanted were- to go to water camp that, that year. I had decided I'm going to water camp. And my mom humored me and she said, okay, let's talk about water camp. And she even had the guy come over and talk about water camp. And then afterwards, my mom said, but honey, can you swim? (laughs) And I was like, not really. But I, you know, I want to just go. I pictured it like water slides. I thought a bunch of water slides and you were just playing in water all day. So I didn't realize like water camp meant swimming. Do you think she planned that whole fucking thing out? Probably. I love her. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, what about music camp? So I went to music camp. And you you did cello and yeah. did you like music camp? I loved oh, it. Oh yeah, we already discussed that. You loved I, it. I fell How many- in love the first time in music camp. Really? Yeah, with a French flautist. No. His, his name was Alexis Llewellyn oh, and he was God. bipolar and he was very emo, you know, like Oh yeah. my God, that's so perfect angsty. He like swore like nonstop. And he was like, you know, I was madly in love with him. Was he French? Was he from France? France. Yeah, he was from from France. And did, um, did you guys make out or anything? We kissed, but I was like too scared to do anything else. Like we kissed and then I went back to the cabin and they were like, was it a French kiss? You know, (laughs) (laughs) we were 15 and I was like, well, he's French. Yeah. You fucking asshole. (laughs) Wait. So was he a good flutist? Yeah, he was flautist. Good. Yeah, he was a good flautist, and he was. Um, my music teacher said you don't play the flout, so you have to you play the flute. That's what my music teacher oh. said. But some people so say. I heard my mom say both, so yeah. maybe both is acceptable. Okay, so um, he was really good. Yeah, I mean, have I you looked him up it. since? Have you looked I him haven't, up? Haven't, but I afterwards I wrote him letters for like a year, and I never heard back from him. Fuck him. I know fuck that fucking French fuck. And then I heard that he threw the flute out the window. In no like, way. You know, a moment of rage. Yeah. Oh, I hate him. He can go fuck yeah. himself. But I was um, in love, man. So that was your first big. Love you know, affair. Yeah. Love affair. <laughs> Which you, you talk about how you're not good with you. You tend to get very attached. Very. Okay. Well, just to the wrong people. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. This gig with Garrison, how how often is it? Does it, it wasn't, other shit? That, you it know? wasn't like every week. I wasn't a regular on it. So it right. was sort of whenever he decided. Right. Um, 
so I think when I was 10, I did it a bunch of times and then, you know, a couple of years might've gone by and then I did it a few more times. And, um, so it was sort of random. Did you fly to Minnesota to do it? It was all over the country. So I think I did it in, you know, Tang at Tanglewood and right. a couple of times. And then, um, yeah, I did Minnesota. We, we once did a tour. So we did like, you know, Southern tour. That's so fun. Did your parent who came with you? Your aunt? Uh, my aunt. Yeah. Wow. That's fun. Yeah. And then, um, was your sister jealous? Um, I don't really think so. She was sort of on her own path, you know, most of the time. Mm-hmm. All right. Very healthy emotionally. Okay. <laughs> so, um, were you like number one in your class in high school? No, no, I was, um, I was a bit of a rebel. Really? Yeah. And not, your mother- not in a typical way, in a right. way that I just folk I just wanted to focus on what I liked and I didn't see the point of anything else. Uh, I yeah, I feel the same way. I now, I still feel the same way. Now that I'm older, I'm like, ugh, I don't want to do anything I don't want to do. You yeah, know what I mean? Same, same. It's just like, no, I'm not here for that long and I don't fucking exactly. want to waste my time. Exactly. That's, and I have ADHD, right? I and, think I do actually. That's why oh, the way the way your brain is working, I'm like, oh, this is like good. yes, this, this is how my brain works. Otherwise, I get really bored. I get, get pissed low. off. Yeah, like if I have planned everything out, right? Like, okay, I'm going, I'm I'm going on a hike, or, or I'm just making this up, okay? And I get, uh, I need my headphones, I need my water, blah blah, blah and I get all my shit together. And then I, and I'm like, okay, I'm really focusing. I got everything together. And then I get in the car and I'm like, where the fuck is my phone? Like I can't. I am like, the same way. But oh I my can, God. I'm and the I can't. Same way. But I get so mad. Like, oh my God, you worked so hard to get this all together. And now you fucked up. Like, this is what goes on in my head. It's horrible. I know. And, and I always think, man, why are these basic tasks so easy for, it seems so easy for other people. Right. Like, just getting, I, I had the same thing yesterday because I was try, actually trying to go on a hike. Right. And I, was like, I can't find socks. I right. can't find socks and a mask. Now you want me to find socks, a mask, right. and my headphones and my fanny pack. Right. <laughs> I'm just going around and circles. It's just awful. Apartment, like trying to find everything. What about when you think you're done? And then it's like, nope, sorry, you still got a blank. And you're like, no, I thought I was done. I have the same. Yeah. Every day I have that. Yeah. Okay. You might have ADHD. I Welcome to the well, club. And well, I've been diagnosed with it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it's so I get mad. I really wish I didn't get mad. But I'm. it's like as I get older, I'm just like, it's, it's really I just don't want this anymore. You do know you what I mean? Something for it or do you just you I know? do. Yeah. Well, I do my, I do my, um, I do my like meditation and play the piano, whatever, and all my st- exercises. And then I have Ritalin, mm-hmm. you know, um, whatchamacallit, the release, what the fuck is it called? You uh, know, when it comes out in bits and pieces, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Extended release. Um, yeah. So I'll take that, especially like when I'm writing or, you know, when I have tasks. Yeah. But I don't want to take it. You know what I mean? No, that's, yeah, that's because my it, problem. I don't like taking things. Right. But, you know, then I, sometimes I'm just like, you know, I give up. 
Hey everyone, you know what I just did? I tore, I poured, and I enjoyed a packet of Liquid IV. Because I love Liquid IV. Liquid IV is a major part of my life. And I just worked out with my trainer and I had a delicious lemon ginger liquid IV. That one has a little extra, that has a little green tea in it. And so that's a little caffeinated. So I enjoy that because I needed it today. And you know, it's getting warmer out. And what does that mean? Summer. Oh God, please come. It can't come soon enough. And that means you have to hydrate. And that's what Liquid IV does. It hydrates you with benefits like electrolytes, vitamins, and clinically tested nutrients. And it has three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in one little stick. And that's why Liquid IV is the number one powered hydration brand in America. Okay? And I love it. I use it every day. Ben's basketball team uses it. It is a science-backed formula that works. It keeps you hydrated. And they have sugar-free. They have sugar-free packets in white peach, green grape, raspberry melon, and lemon lime. Okay? I didn't do the sugar-free. Okay. But Elisa does the sugar-free. So what are you going to do? You're going to stay hydrated because it's very, very important. And Liquid IV has been a longtime sponsor, and I love them, and they are a quality product. And this is what you're going to do. You're going to turn your ordinary, ordinary, can't speak, turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and use code JUDYGOLD at checkout. That's J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, can't even say my name, at liquidiv.com. Got it? You're welcome. So you went to the Boston University of Fine Arts. For a year. Um, and then you went, and then you, so you dropped out. Were your parents like, fuck shit, ass, cock, vagina? Uh, probably, yeah, they didn't say it in those words, but right. they were probably thinking it. Um, my, They sat me down and my dad was actually really cool about it. And he's like, I, we thought about it and we realized that, you know, sometimes the bird needs to fly from the nest. And Oh my God, I love Dean. Yeah, he was cool. And yeah. <laughs> but, um, but so, but the thing is I met a guy and I fell in love with him and he was in New York. And so, so I, do you think that was really what it was? Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think so, it was a combination because I was failing music theory. I love music so, theory. Yeah. You do? Yes. I don't know why. I love music theory and music I history. I could not do it. I yeah, it's hard. I, it's hard. I learned everything by ear. So mm-hmm. music theory was like, I can't wrap my mind around it. It's right. Like, it's like math, you know? Right. So I was failing that and I had a scholarship. So I was going to lose my scholarship. Um, because I was failing music theory. So you, they sat you down and so they sat me down. And they said they were okay with my decision. And but do you think I, your mother really was okay with it? Probably not. Okay. Yeah, probably not. Um, but they also knew at that point that they just couldn't tell me what to do because, you know, they had tried. For right. I just did whatever I wanted. Do you think your father was more 
forgiving or understanding because of his MS? Um, I don't know, because in some t- at moments in my life, he was a lot more strict about, um, about academic stuff. Right. My mom was more lenient. Right. They sort of ping pong back and forth. Right. So you then go, you move to New York, um, and you go to the Atlantic theater conservatory. Yes. Um, After a year of, I had a year actually where I just played my cello all year. Where'd you play? Well, I took lessons from, from uh, just a private teacher and, um, he was like an excellent teacher. Right. So I just would go to his house and learn and then, um, and you know, that was it. Did you work? I don't know what I did. I would have a job and then I'd get fired. You know, like I waitressed a couple of times. Oh my God. That's funny. Fired every and time. all you were, so you're like 19 years old at this point or, yeah. and, and you're just going to cello. It's like, you're a Torah scholar. It's like the people on Schdissel that sit in the fucking, you know, studying the Torah all day long. So you're, you're playing. Living, the- yeah. I was living in this brownstone apartment with two roommates who were in their thirties and they were from Austria. And I thought they were so cool. And then I was around the corner from my boyfriend's apartment and I would just go see him every night. But he was working during the day at a um, at a a recording studio. How old was your boyfriend? He was 24, 20. Yeah, 24. Where where did you meet him? I met him ushering at Symphony Hall because um, it was like my first job. I was a cello major and he was a guitar major at Berkeley. Right. So we just hit it off and I fell in love with him. Okay. And are your parents visiting you? Like, you know, Erica, what is going on here? You're playing the cello. You can't keep a job. Who are these two women you're living with? And uh, what's with this guy? He's too old for you. Was it any of that? I don't remember any of that. I just remember, well, Erica's going to go to New York now. And did I just, I don't know. I love that free spirit. Okay. How did you get into the Atlantic Theater Conservatory? So that, so I took some acting classes privately or not privately at a smaller uh, school. And then I auditioned for Atlantic Theater Conservatory and I don't know how competitive it really was. Right. I got in to that. What are your dear diary scripts that I love so much? Oh, that was on, on Prairie Home Companion. And I, he started having me write stuff for myself. Right. He started with writing them for me. And then he started having me write just little bits about my life or my dating life. Right. And that you say that that is what sort of trained you to be a comedian. I think so. Cause it was autobiographical, you know, personal and it, it wasn't really trying to like be jokes exactly, but right. it was just me standing at a mic, you know? I know, but I love that. So, yeah. so you have the Dear Diary scripts where you feel, you know, free. You're playing the cello and then you go to, and you're taking acting classes. You, you said that you, after the cello and the ballet, that you needed a performance outlet. And that's, when did you exactly start doing stand up? Were you... Way later. So it took me a while to start. to And to figure it out that that was what you were. Yeah. The first time somebody t- actually said you should do stand up was at my sister's wedding because I gave a speech for her wedding that I right. thought was very sincere and genuine. 
and real. And it, people were laughing hysterically. And you were shocked. I, I was totally shocked. I thought it was like the most sincere, you know, well, that's theory. funny. Only yeah. the truth is funny. I mean, yeah, that's true. Yeah. They were, I mean, they were laughing so hard and what like, did you, what did you say? I don't, and I do you like her husband? Her. Do you like her husband? I love her husband. She what does he do? He's a stand. He's a bass player. Um, um, oh, a stand up bass player. I don't know why I said, I don't know why I said stand up bass player. Um, but wait, he's a, so she went with a musician. I love this family. Yeah. <laughs> Did your father him like him? My mom, because he was playing in the pops. And wow. So, and the Boston pops, your mom is fucking incredible. Um, yeah. So did your father like him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. That's he, good. He called my dad and asked for his permission. And my dad was like, it's not the 1800s, George. <laughs> <laughs> I love he that. Liked he liked that. Yeah. How long is the conservatory portion? And who are these women from Austria? And are they, <laughs> where so were their, gra- who are they? And where were their grandparents during the Holocaust? That's what I want to know. Okay. <laughs> They were teachers, but I don't really remember much more beyond that. I just thought they were so cool because they were like, you know, they were older. They were doing their own thing. And I just. Did they talk like this? Yeah. Did they have the accents and they were like really sexy and like dressed really well and went out every night and smoked cigarettes. How did you find them? Did you go to like a. Craigslist, you know, back back in the day, you just find Craigslist things. All right. So how long are you with this guy and how long are you in the Atlantic? theater conservatory? Um, I think it was a two and a half year program and I was with him for maybe three years. Really? And you never moved in with him? He did. Yeah. Uh We moved to the Upper West Side. So I had it in my head. I was going to go to the, wait, is that where you live? Yes. And it's all Jews. Yeah. And I've lived in the same apartment building since 1989. Okay. Whoa. Yep. In the same apartment, actually. You know where Heeman Place is? It's past um, Columbia University. Yes, yes. All the way up. Yes. So I, we used to live, we live, we moved in over there. Okay. And how long did you live together? For like a year, maybe. Who broke up with who? I sort of ended it. Yeah. See, uh, that, uh, the fact that you like fall madly in love quickly and the fact that you're able to end it. Like, how did you, like, well, how did you end it? I think it was an age thing. I think it was, I was, I just felt too young. Like he was probably the best guy I've dated. Right. Still really good friends. Right. A good person and funny and like creative. He's a documentary filmmaker. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he, you know, is he married now? He is, he is. He well, he got married, he got divorced, and now he's with someone. I don't know if they Okay, and he's not good for you. I don't want him to <laughs> too many relationships. Um so was that hard for you? That's a big thing to break up and move. Did you move out? I moved out, yeah. I was I was going through a phase of just, you know, I was sort of a loose cannon, like doing right. whatever I wanted whenever I decided to do it. So, right. Um yeah. So I sort of, I moved out, but then we were kind of still seeing each other, but then I met some other boy and I was really into him. So. who And is that per, person still in your life as well? No. Okay. No. Great. Okay. The last so, time I saw him, I was using his printer before I moved to LA. Uh, <laughs> I was like, can I use your printer? And I used his printer and then. And that was the end of that. Then, thanks. Thanks a lot. It. 
And he was like, can you, can you do it? Can you hurry up? I've got work in the morning. And that was it. That was it. Okay. That's great. So, um, you, after, do you start auditioning? Do you have an agent? Like, how does this whole, I know that you had a terror, you say that you bombed in an audition for Parks and Rec, but they say you actually didn't bomb, but what's your life like now? You're going to this conservatory. Is it full time? Yeah, that was full time. And I loved it. I loved everything about it. I felt like I found my place. I found my people. I like love. I don't know. I loved the way they taught acting there because it wasn't super self-indulgent. It wasn't like all really, you know, animal stuff. It was like, it was just like, you know, David Mamet school. So so you just say the words, just say the words, stand there and say the words and that's it, you know. So I kind of like my friend Karen Karen Kolhas taught there. She she was my teacher. Oh, she was. I love Karen. Oh my god. So Karen really was like obsessed with getting my voice lower. You know? Really? Yeah. She was. I'm gonna talk me, to her. She had me do Saint Joan. You know. Um, right. 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 Like a man. She was like, just do the whole thing. No way. Did you do yeah. it? I did. And I was sobbing, like it got, you know, to my emotional center and I was right. like, sobbing and she was an amazing teacher and we still, you know, message back and forth once in a while. Oh my God. So I did 25 questions for a Jewish mother, which was my first off Broadway show. And she directed it. Ding dong. And oh we've been gosh. friends ever since. And we just did it at the cherry lane uh, in 2019. And she came back to direct it too. She's great. I love she's it. Am- she was one yeah. of my favorite all time teachers. I just she, and she's hilarious. She's hilarious. Yeah. She's yeah. just and and she had this sort of quiet way of teaching where you just lean in and you're right. like, going to say, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah, she's great. Oh, that's so cool. Will you tell her hi? I will. I'm going to she just texted me yesterday or the day before. Um, can you audition while cuz a lot of places you can't audition while you're still at the conservatory. Is that correct? Yeah, I don't remember auditioning outside for anything. Right. Until I was done. Okay, so you're done. Do you get yeah. an agent? Are you still doing Prairie Home? What the fuck is going on? You've now gone from music school. Then you move to New York and live with two Nazis. And <laughs> then you move in with your boyfriend. And now what's going on? Um, so I auditioned for a few things. I did some off, off Broadway theater. What'd you do? I did a show about the kidnapping of, um, what was her name? Who is that? Elizabeth Smart. Oh, right. Yeah. Did you play Elizabeth Smart? I did. Wow. Yeah. And that was, it was, did not get the best reviews. But did you do a lot of research on Elizabeth Smart? Yeah. At the time I did. Yeah. Yeah. And? I don't remember anything. Like, I just, I can't believe that fucking family because the father father called the fucking um, head of the Mormon church before he called the police. Whoa. Yes. Remember that. I'm telling you the like people who are so overly religious or mental. Okay. So, okay. You did that. You did the off Broadway thing. Did your parents come in and like, that's my daughter. She's playing a lit. My daughter's the lead. She's playing Elizabeth smart. But none of that. I don't think so. I think my aunt, my aunt came. I love your aunt. Do you feel like you're closer to your aunt than you are to your mother? No, but we have different relationships. All right. And then are you close with her daughter? Uh, my aunt, yes. Yeah. Okay. All yeah, right. Go ahead. Maya. She's really sweet. 
I then I did wait, this was before I actually did acting school was I did 200 um performances of Ramona Quimby as a you know the children theater. Oh yeah. Theater. Yeah, so I did a children's theater tour for like a year before I did act, the acting conservatory. Okay. Um and are people saying to you like okay, so my entire career you're too tall, you're too loud, you're too Jewish, you're too everything. Are they constantly on your case about your voice? Yes, I'd say so. Yeah. I mean, in acting school, in acting school, it was every, you know, they were right. like the first thing, you know, I raised my voice, I raised my hand asking a question in my first day. And the teacher was like, okay, we got to do something about that voice. You know? <laughs> Has it yeah. always been like that through your childhood too? Or no, I mean, you know, because it worked on Prairie Home Companion. Right, right. Oh, oh fuck people. I hate everyone. Okay. <laughs> So, but it's also lowered. I mean, it used to be even worse, you know? Really? Yeah. Yeah. I think acting school did help a little bit. Thanks so much for listening to part one of Kill Me Now with the adorable Erica Rhodes. Now, Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling. This podcast would not be possible without the help of the incredible Brittany Joe Sowards. Please subscribe, leave a review, five stars, five stars, please. It helps more people find this amazing podcast. And I'm really proud of it. It's a labor of love. And I am so appreciative that you listen because I love doing it. It's not like I make a lot of money from this. Okay, let's let's start right there where I make no money. But I love it. I love it. And I love people's stories. And that's why I do it. So look, go subscribe and leave a review. And it better be positive. If you haven't purchased my book, yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. You're in trouble, okay? Because it's ridiculous. You listen to my podcast and you didn't buy my book? Okay. So that's that. Um, I'm also, if you get Hulu, please watch Hysterical. It's a an incredible documentary. It came out a few weeks ago, three weeks ago, I think, about what it's like to be a woman in the stand-up comedy industry, a female comic. It's really great, and I'm so proud to be in it. Uh, And you'll recognize a lot of the people in there because they've been on my show here called Kill Me Now. So there you go. Go to my website, judygold.com. There's links for my book. There's information about me. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram for all upcoming virtual live. Hopefully I won't be doing a lot of virtual events because I can't fucking take it anymore even though I do like the not traveling, but uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D. You know, like Jew, because I'm a Jew, because I'm Jewish. Um, you know, I think you'll enjoy my inner thoughts that I share with everyone. And I can't thank you all enough for listening and supporting my podcast. We're almost at 300 episodes. I can't fucking believe it. And it's all because of you and me. And I and I just, I love you all. So wear a mask. It, not outside! <laughs> But just uh, get vaccinated. Seriously. I mean, what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? And thank you again for listening. And as we always say, so long. Don't forget to tune in next week to Just Kill Me Now. Um, for, just kill me. Oh. Don't forget to turn uh, for part two on Just Kill Me. No, it's not. It's <laughs> just, just Kill Me. Now. No, Judy no, Gold's no, Just no, Kill no, Me. Just, just Kill Me Now. <laughs> America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.